Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. We're so thankful for what God is doing in our midst. I want to tell you this past weekend was some kind of an amazing, amazing experience. Can we give God praise for what he did this past weekend on Saturday and Sunday? Great day of training on Saturday. And of course, we had the uh, great ministry of Brother Chris Green on Sunday. And we're believing for many miracles and signs and wonders, not just on that day, but to come forth from that day. And we're believing for miracles, signs, and wonders during the crusade. Amen. Can we give God praise for it? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, again, we want to tell you to be sure and uh, invite people to be a part of the crusade. June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. June 2nd uh, it's going to be inside, but June 3rd and 4th is going to be outside. I do want to uh, just tell you that if uh, you would like to be a part, we do have a lot of, of need in terms of having people present to help. And we'll have plenty of things for you to do. There's uh, options from parking lot ministry and hospitality, altar workers. If you would like to be a part, we will be having a training or a meeting for those things uh, a week from tonight at 7 o'clock at Grace Point. And so there will not be a midweek Bible study as, uh, as we would normally have here on Wednesday night next week because of the crusade Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So on Wednesday night, a week from tonight at 7 p.m., if you would like to be a part of, of any of the ministries that are going into helping the crusade to function, we would love for you to be there. If you were at the day of training, then we do ask that you be at Grace Point a week from tonight at 7 o'clock. If you were not able to be at the training but would like to be involved, uh, then we do ask that you go back to the archive, look at the training, watch the training, and uh, take it in. It's, it'll be a blessing to you. And then you can be at the Wednesday night at 7 o'clock at Grace Point, and it will be a tremendous blessing. It's going to be a great thing. This crusade, God has put his favor upon it. Amen. God has put his favor upon it. Amen. Amen. And we're going to see people receive the Holy Ghost. We're going to see miracles and signs and wonders. We're going to see God pour out his Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe he's just going to turn that whole neighborhood upside down, that whole area. Amen. Our city, praise God, for his glory. And so we're looking forward to that. And, uh, and we invite you to be a part of the, the conducting of the crusade. And we certainly want you to bring people, bring people, bring people. If you know people that need God, if you know people that need healing, if you know people that need salvation, make sure to bring them to the crusade. It's going to be a great time in the Lord. And I want to continue to uh, just focus our attention on uh, this crusade, and I want to continue the uh, preparation for it. So I'm going to be speaking tonight on the subject anointed expectation. Anointed expectation. Uh, the passage of scripture I'd like to open with comes from the book of Psalms, the 62nd Psalm. And uh, we're going to read a few verses of scripture. Uh, there is power in expectation. When you expect God to do something uh, great, that God does something great. And there's a difference between knowing that God can and knowing that God will. There's a difference between thinking, I hope he does, 
and I'm expecting him to do something. And, and of course, we go to the account of the three Hebrew children who, who said concerning the fiery furnace, we're not afraid of the fiery furnace because God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. They were expressing faith in his power. Then they said in the off chance that he doesn't deliver us from the fiery furnace, because there are such things as martyrs, and there is such thing as people dying for their faith. And, and so they said if in, the, if in the case that he does not deliver us from the fiery furnace, we still will not bow. This was an expression of faith in his wisdom. But their expectation was that God will do what is best in this situation. Amen. And so we want to talk about how to have the proper expectation and how to, how to utilize the power of expectation in your faith. Psalm 62, beginning with verse 5. My soul. Now notice in the Bible, a lot of times we talk to our soul. And, and what you tell your soul, uh, a lot of times is very, uh, it, well, it, it always is very indicative as to where you are spiritually. And it will a lot of times determine the outcome of a particular thing. Uh, when you say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Then you're going to have blessing. And there's going to be blessing to come from you and blessing to come to you. And when you say, soul, take thine ease, as the man in Jesus' parable did, then, of course, you're in for a lot of trouble. But he said, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. And any time there's a selah, you always want to go back and read what you just read because the psalmist is saying, think about that for a little while. That God is a refuge for us. Listen to what verse number uh, 9 says. Surely men of low degree are vanity. It's talking about men who, who have not risen to the place God would have them be. So the Bible calls them men of low degree. They are vanity. Men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance. They are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression. Do you know many times we put more faith in things that oppress us than we do in God? Trust not in oppression. Become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. So he's telling us where to place our expectation. Our expectation is not to be in riches. Our expectation is not to be in oppression. Our expectation is to be in God only. So when we expect blessings, we don't expect blessings to come from us or come to us from anything other than God. In fact, we don't want blessings coming to us from anything other than God. 
you do not want the world to bless you. Do you know that the Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you? When everybody's praising you, you better be prepared. Something's off. Something's wrong. But when God blesses you, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. The antithesis of that is also true. The blessing of man will end up making you impoverished and will add plenty of sorrow. So you don't want the blessing of man. You want the blessing of the Lord. Jacob achieved the blessing of man. But to achieve the blessing of man, his father's blessing, Isaac's blessing, he had to cheat his way into it. And that's how you got to get the blessing of man. You got to trick man into blessing you. You got to act like something that you're not in order to get man to bless you. You've got to compromise your integrity to get man to bless you. You've got to sell your soul somewhere along the way to get man to bless you. You've got to, you've got to put hair on your arms like Jacob did trying to be Esau and, and act like something that he wasn't and lie his way into getting man's blessing. But, but you can only go so far with being blessed by man in a deceitful fashion. One day, someday, if you really want to be blessed, you're going to have to wrestle with God. And when God blesses you, he's going to bless you real good. And he's going to call you, he's going to give you an opportunity to step into that blessing. And he did that for Jacob when he said, what is your name? And now Jacob could have just lied and said, uh, my name is Ralph. My name is Frank. But he didn't. He did not lie. He was honest. And you've got to be honest about who you are. Now that was a big statement. My name is Jacob. Because it meant I am a heel holder. I am a supplanter. I have lied. I have cheated. That's what he was saying when he said my name is Jacob. And because he was willing to be honest about who he had been. God could bless him with a name change. You don't have to hide who you are when we're talking about God. God isn't surprised by who you are. He already knows who you are. He knew that this was Jacob. He wasn't asking him for the purpose of information. To say, hey, after all night of fighting. After wrestling all night long. Breaking the man's thigh. He wasn't saying, oh, by the way, are you even the right guy? Are you even the guy I meant to jump out and tackle? Because that would be really embarrassing if I spent all night fighting the wrong guy. He wasn't asking for his personal information. He was giving Jacob an opportunity to step into blessing. He was giving an opportunity to be honest. Who are you? What is your name? My name is heel holder. My name is supplanter. My name is cheater. My name is liar. Yes, I've got a tainted past. All right, because you've been honest, now I'm going to tell you what your real name is. Now here's, I want, I want to stay on Jacob for just a little while here because this is really important. You've got to understand the timing of this wrestling match. The timing of this wrestling match was very significant because Jacob was, had just reached out to his brother Esau. Esau was the one he cheated out of the blessing and out of his birthright. He took advantage of Esau when he was hungry and just came out of the field and he cheated him out of his birthright or exploited him, I should say. But he cheated him out of his blessing. Now, 20 years have passed. 
The last words he heard Esau say was that Esau was going to kill him. But Jacob has reached out to Esau in hopes of, of wanting some kind of a relationship. A familial bond was important to him. He had left Laban. He had been cheated by Laban. For 20 years he had been cheated by Laban. And this is something important you got to know about Jacob and know about yourself. Do you want to know why he spent 20 years being cheated by Laban? Because he felt like he deserved to be treated that way. And there are many times we don't expect God to bless us. But instead we expect to get the raw end of the deal because we know that's what we have coming to us. And Jacob, knowing what he had done in his past, spent 20 years with Laban, being tricked into marrying Leah, finally marrying Rachel. Six more years he serves, and for 20 years he's being cheated by Laban. And when he does finally leave, he wants to reach out to Esau, and he wants to kind of have some normalcy again. And so when he does, they say to him, we got word to Esau, Esau wants to meet with you. Esau's going to meet with you. That's the good news. The bad news is he's got 400 men with him. The last words Jacob heard Esau say were, I'm going to kill Jacob as soon as I get my hands on him. Now he finds out he's got 400 men with him. Well, that that can only mean one thing. He's going to kill me. Because all he could think about was what he had done wrong. All he could think about were the things that he had coming to him. All that he deserved. And if you get locked up in your past, all you can think about are the things you've done wrong. All you can think about are the things you've got coming to you. So that is the context in which Jacob has this wrestling match. He leaves Leah and Rachel and the families of the two respective wives in two different places. In case one gets killed, he won't lose all of his family. And and he goes out for a walk by the Jabbok River. And we're about to see a type and a shadow of baptism. Because he's at the Jabbok River and this mysterious figure leaps out to fight with Jacob. And he wrestles Jacob all night long in the water by the river. And when he gets done fighting... In the water by the river, he's got a new name. And and, and when he does meet Esau, everything has changed. His past has not come back to hurt him. He sees Esau from a far way off. And when he starts walking toward Esau, he bows himself seven times. And when he finally gets to Esau, Esau says, why are you bowing so much? And he said, well, I was afraid you were going to kill me. He said, I don't want to kill you. Come here, man. Bring it in. Bring it in. And he hugs him and he he embraces his brother. And he said, I don't want to kill you. You You are afraid of things that aren't even trying to hurt you. You are running from things, dreading things, worrying about things, fretting things that aren't even trying to hurt you. You've been to the river. You've been in the water. You have a new name. You've bowed.
flogged yourself seven times. Hallelujah. You don't have to fear. You need to have an anointed expectation that God wants to bless you. The, the people of God have to step into this new man God promised that we would be. And understand that God is not trying to harm us. He wants to bless us. Oh, hallelujah. Get that defeat out of your mouth. Get that negativity out of your mouth. Don't say things like, it'd be just my luck. What are you talking about? What do you mean just your luck? You're blessed of God. You're anointed of the most high. What do you mean just your luck? It should be just the opposite. We should say, I expect God to bless me. I expect God to fight my battles. I expect God to heal me. I expect God. You've got to open up your mouth though and declare it. See, the, the, the body is controlled by the tongue. That's what the book of James says. The book of James says that, that the tongue is an unruly member. That it is full of deadly poison. That it is set on fire. Uh, it, it sets on fire the course of nature. And that it is set on fire of hell. I mean, that's a bad thing. This, this thing is terrible, this tongue. And the Bible says, just like the bit in the horse's mouth is so small, but it controls this huge horse. If you've ever, if you've ever ridden a horse, you know you can take that bit and just kind of do this. And the horse will just go wherever the bit tells it to go. That's the way your tongue is. Your, tongue, your whole body will go whichever way your tongue tells it to go. So when your tongue is always saying, well, nothing good ever happens to me. And, and they're going to overlook me. And I'm not going to be able to, to, to be blessed. And they're not going to see my resume. And, and, and my kids will never turn out good. And my marriage is bound to end up in failure and, and, and nobody likes me. Your body is just going wherever your tongue is telling it. So you've got to stop it. You're putting your trust in oppression. You need to put your trust in the Lord at all times. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Every day that I live, I'm blessed. When I wake up in the morning until I lay my head to rest, I'm blessed. God. Well, now, isn't that kind of arrogant of you to think you're so blessed? No, no, don't misunderstand. My confidence isn't in me. It's in the Lord. He's a good God. He's a faithful Father. He's a merciful Savior. He loves me with an everlasting love. He desires to bless me. Well, are you saying no bad thing is going to happen to you? No, no, no. Again, don't misunderstand me. I'm saying that even if a bad thing happens, the bad thing is going to bless me. I am bound to be blessed. Bad stuff has to bless me. Nothing gets to come into my life unless it is for my good. All things work together for the good. Bad stuff doesn't just get to waltz up into my life and start ordering around the blessing of the Lord and telling mercy where to go and telling peace of mind that it doesn't, doesn't get to do anything here anymore. No, sir. If bad stuff is allowed into my life, it must come into subjection to the providence and the will of God for my life. God will use it for his glory. God will bless it. 
Remember, we're covered by the blood. When you repented of your sins and are baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, you're covered by the blood. So now that I'm covered by the blood, nothing gets to come near me unless it goes through the blood. God allows it. And if God allows it, it comes through the blood. And by virtue of it coming through the blood, it is sanctified. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and not just my soul. All that is within me. If you've got a, listen, if you've got a rogue cancer cell in you, that rogue cancer cell has to bless the Lord. If you've got, if you've got some, some, some issues you're still trying to resolve from your past and it's in your mind, it is commanded to bless the Lord. God will use your past to praise him. God will use, my God. Let me tell you how good God is. God is so good that the moment you turn it all over to him, he will go all the way back to your past. And every bad deed you ever did, one by one, he will turn it for the good. That's why there are people here tonight that have really bad stuff in their past. But if I handed them the microphone right now, they would tell you, God is good and it has become a blessing in my life even the bad stuff has to bless God my God we got to get out of this mentality that, well, if I'm lucky, I'll be blessed. And if, and if people like me, I'll be blessed. Our blessing doesn't come from people. Our blessing comes from God. Don't get it mixed up. He'll use people to bless you. But the blessing comes from him, not them. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken. To, my God. My God. I said good measure. We could talk about that all day long. Good measure. There's just so much that he's giving you. Good measure. He gets it all together and he presses it down. Don't get frustrated in the seasons of him pressing the good measure down. Oh, we want it to run over. We want it to run over. But sometimes we're in a season of pressing down. Good measure. Good measure. Let, let him press it down. Let him press it down. It doesn't always feel good, but let him press it down. And when he presses it down, he's going to shake it up. And that makes us real nervous when things start shaking. Hallelujah. But let him shake it up. Shake it together. Shake it all together. Good measure. Press down. Shake it together. And you better watch out. Because if you let him press it down. And if you let him shake it together. It'll run over. It'll get on your kids. It'll get on your co-workers. It'll get on your husband and your wife. My God. I expect God. 
Thank you, Jesus. Anointed expectation. Hallelujah. My soul, wait thou only upon God. My expectation is from Him. Not from anybody else. It is from Him. If you lose your job, I don't want that to happen to you. But wait on God. Only on God. Your expectation is from Him. Isaiah chapter 20 and verse 5. They shall be afraid and ashamed of Ethiopia, their expectation. And of Egypt, their glory. Those who have put their faith in, in this case it was Ethiopia and Egypt. But you can fit any nation, any government. You can put any principality, any entity at all in those places. And you will be ashamed for your expectation being of them and not of the Lord. My soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from Him. Every good and perfect gift. My God. Hallelujah. Cometh down. It does not come from a, a horizontal place. It does not come from this earth. It does not come from the carnal elements or the rudiments of this world. It does not come from conniving or deceiving. It does not come from trying to trick somebody into blessing you. It doesn't come from putting on a facade and trying to cheat your way into a worldly blessing. Every good and every perfect gift cometh down from the father of lights. Now that word lights means enlightenment. And if you want to know what the good gifts are. And the perfect gifts. They are gifts of enlightenment. Oh I know you thought it was a you know a windfall. Financial windfall. Oh I know you, you thought it was some kind of a big Big blessing that you can put your physical hands on. But no, no, the good gifts and the perfect gifts are gifts of enlightenment. They come down from the Father of lights. Hallelujah. And when the enlightenment comes, it's worth more than a $100,000 check. My You say, you don't think God will give me $100,000? Of course I think God could give you $100,000. That may be exactly what you need. And everybody said, amen. Yeah. But God knows for sure what it is that we actually do need. And this is what he said about money and about a bunch of other things. He said, take no thought for it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you're going to do tomorrow. Don't worry about the clothes you're going to. My God, have mercy. You just have an anointed expectation that the Father knoweth that you have need of these things. You just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added 
My God. Not connived, not manipulated, added unto you. This is making life really simple all of a sudden. Because all I got to do is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else is going to take care of itself. Listen, you say, well, you don't think we need skills or ability? No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. When you seek first the kingdom of God, he's going to show you what skills and abilities you need. And he's going to empower your mind and your body to achieve those skills and abilities. And he's going to add things unto you. Glory to God. So every good and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness no variableness you you know what a variable is a variable is that X factor that gets thrown into an equation and throws the whole thing off you got your whole day planned it's gonna work perfectly you're gonna stop at point A be there for about 30 minutes get over to point B be there for about an hour and a half. You got point C. Going to run in there real quick and make a deposit. Get out of point C. Run to point D. You got your whole day planned. It's going to be perfect. And then you get a flat tire. That's called a variable. Something just got added into the mix that you weren't expecting, that you didn't, didn't plan. And, and so you, you now, now, it's thrown the whole day into chaos. But with God, there is no variableness. There is nothing thrown into the mix that catches him off guard. No, not when your steps are ordered of the Lord. This is why you take a big chance when you are not going to walk with God. Because the Bible says that time and chance happeneth to every man. I'm going to say that again. Time and chance happeneth to every man. That's the word of the Lord. So that's true of all of us. We are all subject to time and chance. So that's terrifying. But, 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 but that is someone who is leading their own life. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. So in other words, when I'm walking with God and I'm serving the Lord, my steps are ordered of him and I am not subject to time and chance now. Time and chance don't have the power over me that they used to have. So now I know if I get a flat tire, God allowed me to get the flat tire. And it didn't happen by chance. So now I'm watching for the tow truck. Because he must need the Holy Ghost or something. Why did God put me in your path today? Because it's not by chance. I know it's not by chance. Because my steps are ordered of the Lord. I expect my steps to be ordered of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. And he knew that flat tire was coming. Hallelujah. I, Brother Colbreth, I, you know, every time that Brother Colbreth has to be in an unfortunate situation, there'll be a request for prayer about the situation, and then there'll be a praise report.
but I got an opportunity. I've got a Bible study coming this Thursday. Amen, Brother Colbert, every time. Because he's learned, if God allowed it, he's put me in this place for this moment to reach the lost, to touch somebody's life. It didn't happen by accident. We don't believe in accidents when we serve the Lord. Yeah, accidents can happen, but not when you're serving God. Not when you're walking with God. If it happened, then it's the providence of God. And if he chooses to deliver me from it, I know he can. That's his power. He may not. That's his wisdom. But my steps are ordered of the Lord. I have an anointed expectation. Now, now I'm giving you some spiritual principles that you, that you got to hold on to. Now, understand, you can shout about this right now, say amen to this right now. We can dance about this right now. But when you've got the flat tire... And you're standing on the side of the road. Sometimes it's tough to remember this little spiritual lesson. So you've got to, you've got to stay prayed up and focused on God. So that you don't miss the moment that the Lord is orchestrating. Our great grandfather ended up in Russia. And when he did, he lost his passport in the middle of the Bolshevik Revolution. I mean, the whole country is in utter and total civil war, and people are dying all around him, and, and especially Christians, and he cannot find his passport. I mean, you talk about throwing stuff around the room. Where did I put this thing? But it was God. So you know what he did? He started preaching the gospel. All right, I'm going to apply for my passport, and it's going to take so much time to get here. I guess God put me here on purpose. He went underground preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know that the people that he preached to and that came to God during those revivals in Russia, they were imprisoned. The apostolic Pentecostal people were thrown into prison under communism. And all through the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, whole generations of people were in prison who believed the truth. And do you know what they did with their time there? They had an anointed expectation. If I'm here, I'm here on purpose. I'm not here on accident. I'm here on purpose. They preached the gospel in the prisons. And when communism fell in Soviet Union, they came out of those prisons a whole church. They walked out of there one God apostolic tongue-talking Jesus-named people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost ready to turn Russia upside down for Jesus. They were in the prisons having revival. And this is what they said. This is what they said. They said it was the ultimate underground church. Because they didn't care about us in the prison. They wouldn't let us preach on the streets and they wouldn't let us preach in buildings. But when we got inside the prison behind bars, we had captive audiences, literally. And we were preaching the gospel, baptizing people. They were receiving the Holy Ghost. God was filling them with his power. And we came up a mighty church. 
I'm talking about anointed expectation. You've got to get into the habit of believing. If it's here, it's for my good. If it's here, it's for my good. Now, here's what happens. We get like Jacob. I want to believe that, but I really did do some things that weren't good. I want to believe everything you're saying, Pastor, but I did some stuff. I just wouldn't be surprised if God was okay with Esau killing me. I did cheat. I did. I put hair on my arms. I acted like something I wasn't. I was a fake. I was a, I was a phony. And I just, it just wouldn't surprise me if God really was. Jacob. You, 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 listen, let me tell you something about, let me tell you something about how to overcome that. Repent. It is that simple. Repent. Because here's, here's the reality. When you repent of your sins and you turn from your wicked ways, the Bible says that if the wicked will turn from their wickedness, God will remember their wickedness no more. Are you kidding me? You might remember it, but God doesn't remember it. And I'm going to tell you something else. God can, God can handle your memory too. He'll let you remember the pit from whence you were dug, but he'll sanctify your memory. He'll, 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 he'll handle that memory, that imagination. He'll cast that imagination down. When Herod, when Herod heard that, that Jesus was healing the sick and opening blind eyes and unstopping deaf ears and raising the dead and the lame were walking, that's good news. That's awesome. That's some of the best news. If somebody walked up to you and said, Jesus is on the earth and he's opening blind eyes and he's unstopping deaf ears and he's raising the dead and he's coming to town today. My goodness, we'd shout and rejoice and, 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 and he's here, by the way. He's here, by the way. He is. He actually is in town doing that stuff. My God. He actually is among us doing that stuff. But when Herod heard it, he did not rejoice. He did not shout. He did not dance. He said three words. It is John. You know why he said it is John? Because in the back of his mind, he remembered cutting off John's head. And all he could think about was... I know it sounds like a blessing, but I bet you God, I bet you God's going to haunt me with the ghost of John the Baptist. It'd be just my luck. Herod, I know you did some bad stuff, but it's not John. It's Jesus. <laughs> it is Jesus. Sad one, weep no more. It is Jesus. He who heals the sick opens wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. We've got to have an anointed expectation. When those four leprous men walked into that Syrian camp, and they, they thought they might die but weren't for sure and decided, well, we're going to die sitting out here starving to death. We might as well go in and beg for mercy. But there was nobody in there. All the Syrians were gone. And they left behind all of their food, all of their drink, all of their gold, all of their silver, all of their raiment. It was abandoned. It was theirs for the taking. They go to one tent after another and they are partaking of food and drink and silver and gold, their pockets are loaded with money. And they finally looked at each other and said, we do not well 
we've got all this blessing. We need to go tell somebody because this is a good day. And when they go to tell the king, they tell the porter, and the porter tells the messengers, and the messengers tell the servants, and the servants tell the king. And the king is awakened in the middle of the night with this news. There were four leprous men who walked into the Syrian camp, and none of the Syrians were there. You know why they weren't there? You know why they weren't there? They left. You know why they left? They left because the Lord had caused them to hear a noise of chariots and horses, and they thought it was the Egyptians or the Hittites. And you might say, well, God let them hear something that wasn't there. I would disagree. I think God let them hear what was there, but it wasn't the Egyptians and it wasn't the Hittites. This happened in the days of the prophet Elisha. And if you know anything about the days of the prophet Elisha, you know there were a fleet of chariots that followed him around that nobody could see. But him and God. And his servant one day. And I'm going to tell you something. Those chariots don't just follow Elisha around. My God, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them. Not just him. Them that fear him. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. You've got angels, my God have mercy, who encamp round about you. So God allowed those Syrians to hear the horses and the chariots that were following the prophet Elisha. And they ran for their lives, left their gold, their silver, their food, their drink, their raiment. And when... The leprous men told the porter, and the porter told the messenger, and the messenger told the servant, and the servant told the king. And the king is awake in the middle of the night, and he's being told this unbelievable, incredulous story. He says, okay. <laughs> okay. I might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. I'll tell you exactly what's happening. And he started drawing on his years of experience. And you got to be careful with that. you got to be careful with, with judging God for all the things you've seen happen. you got to be careful with that. And he says, I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. I've been around the block a few times. And I know the Syrians are waiting for us. They want us to think this. And then we're going to go in to take the food, the gold, the silver, the raiment, the drink. And they're going to... They're going to ambush us, and they're going to attack us, and they're going to kill us. That's what we come to expect. Just be just my luck to go down there, expecting that there's some kind of great blessing, and it just be an ambush. But they went down, and when they did, along the path, there were raiments, food, drink, silver, and gold strewn across the path, Waiting for the people of God to take the treasures that had been left for them. How many blessings have we left to the enemy's camp? Because we just didn't have an anointed expectation that God would ever bless us like that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I remember, and I'm coming to a close, but I remember in our capital campaign... We were going to have what they called the Leadership Advanced Commitment Dinner where our leaders were going to come together and they were going to commit to giving uh, to the capital campaign. And, and it was a, a very blessed event. And so Mark Menzendek was our campaign consultant and he was telling us to get ready for this, this 
grandiose event. He said, it's got to be big. It's got to be amazing. It's got to be beautiful. It's got to be the biggest thing you've ever done. And I'm kind of shell-shocked by all this. And I said, I don't even know what that means. So we started looking around, and, and, and when we looked around, there were places available, but they were expensive, and, uh, and, uh, and there wasn't a lot available. And then we checked the, probably the most expensive place in town, and it was so expensive that we just said, okay, well, then never mind. And they said, wait, you're doing it what day? We told them what day we were doing it. They said, in the evening? And we said, yeah. They said, well, we've already got an event on that morning. So we're going to charge you a quarter of what we would normally charge. Brother and Sister Enos, I remember when they called me and said, you're not going to believe this. The Netherland Plaza, the Hilton Hotel, Art Deco, 1920s, the, most, the Taj Mahal of Cincinnati, the Sistine Chapel of Cincinnati. They said... They said, they're going to charge us a quarter of what they would normally charge. And it was well below what any other place would charge. And, and all of the other, the other places weren't even as, as amazing as, as this place. And when, when I heard this, I said, oh, wow, really? And I thought, eh, I'd almost rather pay a little more and be more modest. I don't want to be all flashy and flamboyant and lavish so I said, let me call Mark. So I called Mark Menzendeck. And when I called Mark, I said, Mark, I don't know, it's pretty flashy. And I said, they're going to they're gonna charge us way less than any other place in town. But it's pretty flashy. I'd almost, I'd almost rather pay a little bit more and be less flashy. He said, okay, well, let me ask you a question. He said, are you going to treat every blessing God sends your way like this? He said, because if you are, you, you, if you think this is a blessing, if you think this is lavish, you just wait to the lavish ways. God wants to bless his people. And the Lord spoke to me, and this is what the Lord said. The Lord said, let me get this straight. You're willing to spend more so people will think you're modest. Instead of just letting God bless you and let God deal with how lavish he wants to bless us. And it was a lesson to me to understand, ladies and gentlemen, when God wants to bless you, you don't argue with God. You open up your heart, you open up your arms, and you say, Lord, I don't deserve it, but you are good. You are good. You are good. I'm going to tell you what, we're going to see some lavish miracles in this crusade. We're going to see some lavish healings in this crusade. We're going to see blessings. We're going to see the windows of heaven open up. Hallelujah. And the Lord will pour out blessings we cannot contain. We've got to get into the habit of knowing God wants to bless us. So, so here's how it goes. You just give it all to God. God gives it all back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You give it all back to God. He gives that larger back to you larger. And on and on and on it goes. That's why you can't outgive God. You just keep getting blessed. 
you, you end up not knowing what to do with all the blessings. That's why it's more blessed to give than to receive. Hallelujah. You're just going to have to get used to it. He loves you and he wants to bless you. I'm sorry, but he loves you and he wants to bless you. My God, have mercy. The lame man sat at the gate called Beautiful and he saw Peter and John coming and he fastened his eyes on them and he expected to receive something. He expected an alms. He expected an alms. And, and he asked of them an alms, but he expected to receive something from them. And that changed everything. His heart, his mind, his soul were open to expect to receive something. Praise God. When we come in and we think we got to beg God, plead with God, talk God into blessing us because God is so stingy with his miracles. God is so stingy with his grace. God is so, he just conserves all of this power and all of this goodness and all of this love. And, and we've got to pry his divine fingers off of that blessing. That's not how we pray. We ask in faith, believing, nothing wavering. I expect it, not because I'm so deserving, but because he is so gracious and kind and generous. Uh-oh, I feel it. Somebody's judging this word according to your past experiences, and you're like the king in the days of the four leprous men. You've got to let go of what your past experience was. Stop walking by sight and start walking by faith and believe God and expect God to do the miraculous. Brother Colbeth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference you again. And Sister Colbeth, your mother was healed, received a clean bill of health, stage four cancer. The pray, my God, the prayer of faith went forth. I heard Brother Colbeth in family prayer prophesy. I was standing near him and he was prophesying exactly what came to pass this week. You've got to open up your mouth and declare it. Use that tongue to magnify God. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. My God, somebody lift your hands and praise him. Somebody lift your hands and praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on and praise him. Come on and praise him. Why don't you praise him for what you've been asking him to do? You've been praying. It's time to start praising. I said, you've been praying. It's time to start praising. Don't wait till the battle is over. Shout now. Shout now. Shout now. Shout now. Rejoice now. Dance now. Leave now. Clap now. Give him praise now.
Hallelujah. Our musicians can come. I'm opening up these altars. The Bible said, If I regard iniquity in mine heart, the Lord will not hear my prayers. And that is what is in the back of our minds sometimes. We, we know that there's some iniquity in our heart. And so we feel like God won't hear our prayers. I want us to repent of that tonight. I want us to lay that down at the foot of the cross. Truly give that iniquity, whatever iniquity you're regarding, give it to God. In preparation for this crusade, let's purify our hearts. In preparation for believing God for the miraculous, let's purify our hearts. So that when we lay hands on the sick, I'm not saying that you've got to be perfect. I'm not saying you've got to be flawless. But I'm saying you've got to cast iniquity down from its lofty perch in your soul. You can't let some kind of iniquity rule and reign in your heart and mind and think it's okay. You can't. You can't. Hallelujah. You say, you saying I'm trying, I have to be perfect. No, I'm saying that you've got to be honest about who you are, Jacob. And if there's something in you that's a struggle, you've got to be honest about that and say, Lord, this is a thing I'm struggling with. I don't want to regard it in my heart. Give me power over it. Give me victory over it. Let me, let me repent from it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. That's it. Seek God all across this house. Seek God all across this house. Seek God all across this house. Hallelujah. 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 The Bible says that if you're not treating your spouse correctly, then your prayers, your prayers will be hindered. Come on. If you got some things that you think could hinder your prayers, it's time to bring it to God. I say, Lord, I'm laying this down. I'm not, I've not been treating somebody right. Lord, I'm going to lay that down at the foot of the cross. I've got some, I've got some, if there be any wicked way in me, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Hey, I want somebody who's been trusting in oppression. And what I mean by that is you've been exalting the principality to a greater degree of confidence than you have been exalting God. So, so you know God is powerful, but my goodness, this disease is powerful too. You know God is great, but oh my goodness, this, this potential worst case scenario is really great too. No, don't trust in oppression anymore. Trust in God only. Wait only on the Lord. My expectation is only from Him. I'm not expecting the disease to have its way. I'm expecting God to have His way. I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting the turmoil to have its way. I'm expecting God to have his way. Come on, all across this house. Hallelujah. Let's give it to God right now in the name of Jesus. Let's give it to God in the name of Jesus. An anointed expectation. Come on, Jacob. Come on, Jacob. Come on, Jacob. Let him change, give you a new name. Let him give you a new name in the name of Jesus. Come on, be honest. Be honest. Yeah, Lord, I struggle with doubt. Yeah, Lord, I struggle with unbelief. Help thou mine unbelief. Yeah, Lord, I need help. Yeah, Lord, there's some iniquity in me that I need to repent of. Yeah, Lord, there's some mistreatment of me towards others. 
God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your home. He wants to bless your mind. He wants to bless you with peace and prosperity. Yes, he does. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to open the windows of heaven over you and pour out miracles and signs and wonders upon you. He desires it. He desires. It is the Father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. going to come across this house and chains are getting ready to break off of you he's more than enough about the mind or about thinking the right way a lot of times we can think okay now I gotta I really gotta start thinking the right way but but that's so challenging why don't you just ask God <laughs> I want to give you a little I want to give you just a little helpful hint here okay so just some direction ask God to do it do what whatever it is hallelujah Lord I have trouble with my thoughts. I've got patterns that are nailed down for years, laid down, well-worn 
paths of thinking a certain way. I need my paradigm to shift. I need my perspective to shift. And I don't know how to do it. Lord, could you put your hands on my mind and start to shift my thought process? I don't even know where to shift it. But you know, oh God, where to shift it. Could you shift it the way it needs to be shifted? Could you help me think the way I should think? To believe the way I should believe? Hallelujah, to see things the way I should see them. And then you just leave it in the hands of God. And you know now that it's going to happen because you ask and you shall receive. You begin to seek and you shall find. You knock and the door shall be opened unto you.
My God, have mercy. I want to be ready for what God's going to do in this crusade. I wonder if you could find husband to wife, brother to brother, sister to sister. I wonder if you could find somebody, just put your arm around them. We're going to get ready together. We're going to get ready together. Come on. Come on, we're going to get the victory now. We're not waiting for the crusade to get the victory. We're getting the victory right now. Yes, hallelujah. Ah, yes. I'm getting the victory right now. God has been good to me. God has confirmed some things to me. God has removed my fear. God has removed my anxiety. God is giving me victory over my worry and depression. God is casting out the fear. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. God is doing it. I don't have to do it. God is doing it. Yes. Yes. I'm going to bring three names to you right now that I want you to call out before the Lord in prayer. One is Jacelia Noel Revels. This is the granddaughter of Sister Rebecca Washington. I want us to call her name out before the Lord in prayer. She needs a healing. Jacelia is her name. Let's call her name out right now in the name of Jesus, Jacelia. Lord God, Lord, we stand here in one accord in one place. We pray for healing upon Jacelia's body. This precious child, Lord, reach down in love. Reach down in love in the name of Jesus. Your great kindness wherewith you have loved her. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we expect the blessing of God upon her life. In Jesus' name, we speak the prayer of faith. We declare the miracle of God upon her right now in the name of Jesus. Take away the pain. Take away the pain. In the name of Jesus, give peace to her family. Hallelujah. Give peace of mind to her family. Put healing in her body in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord God, do it right now for your glory. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. In the name of Jesus. Let's call out the name of Brother Kenneth Louie right now in the name of Jesus. Brother Kenneth Louie needs a touch from heaven right now. Help me pray for Brother Kenneth Louie right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, bless Brother Kenneth Louie, our precious friend, Lord. Bring healing to his body right now. Strengthen him in Jesus' name. Strengthen his legs, Lord. In the name of Jesus, right where he is right now. Lord, send a fresh wind from heaven.
into his lungs, into his body. Let the healing virtue of God flow through him right now in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Bless Brother Louie in Jesus' name. God, raise him up and make him strong in Jesus' name. Put health in his body, Lord, we pray. Put health in his body, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Let's pray for Brother Terry Williams right now. Lift up your voice and ask God to bless Brother Terry Williams in the name of Jesus. Do it with expectation. Do it with expectation. Lord, we pray for our beloved brother right now in the name of Jesus, Brother Terry Williams. Lord God, let a healing touch come upon his body. Lord, we claim healing for Brother Williams. We claim healing in his body. In the name of Jesus Christ, move Holy Ghost upon him. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Yes, Lord, the blood of Jesus be upon him. Flow through his body. Bring miracle working power in the name of Jesus Christ. Let it be done for the glory of the Lord. That your glory may be manifest in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Now let's give him praise. Let's give God all the praise. you in the name of Jesus. Be in much prayer and fasting as we come upon this crusade. Hallelujah. We're going to believe God in the name of Jesus. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.